0: Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Measured by the Word of God, as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: A few years back, a lady who was doing just such a thing. She had a very uncanny ability to prophesy over people and in her prophecy reveal secrets of their past. And many people were attracted to her and drawn to her because one of the large charismatic churches in the county featured her as the Sunday school teacher for a time. I had a young man... A minister who had tremendous potential. I'd worked with him in several summer camping programs. We had spent a lot of time together in the Word, in prayer. This young man was searching after God, seeking after God. And so he went and he heard this woman and he was attracted to her. Uncanny ability to be able to prophesy And to say so many things And so he made an appointment And he went over to her house And there she began to reveal to him All kinds of things about his past About his beautiful godly mother And as she was relating these things to him He was captivated by her ability to be able to see so clearly. And she began to prophesy directions and guidance for his life. She began to direct him into the contacting his mother through seances and into spiritism. And this young man, who had such a tremendous potential, and was used in such a glorious way by God in in ministering to young people, is today totally out of it, led astray. He wouldn't listen to the counsel from the Word. This woman had really bewitched him by her gift that she possessed, but the gift really wasn't from God. There is a danger in seeking to the supernatural phenomena for guidance or for direction rather than to God and to the Word of God. A person comes up and says, Oh, I've had a dream. I want to tell you my dream. What does my dream mean? Oh, help. I don't know. (laughs) He that hath a dream, let him tell his dream to someone else. But he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. And yet, there are those that talk about revelations from angels. Angels that visit them and sit on their beds and direct them. And people get all excited. Oh, have you read Angels on Assignment? My He that hath a dream, let him tell his dream, but he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? We have the word of God. Nothing can be added to it or should be taken away from it. This is the wheat. This will produce spiritual growth. This will cause you to be strong in the Lord. This will build up your spiritual man. You may be running around looking for spiritual excitement. It's always a dangerous thing, looking for spiritual phenomena because it's easy to be led astray. The Word of God will keep you on the path. You cannot grow by supernatural phenomena. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not opposed to the gifts and the working of the Holy Spirit. The true manifestation of the works of the Spirit are marvelous, and I seek them. But all that comes must be measured and judged by the Word of God. We cannot allow experiences to become the basis for doctrinal truth. We cannot establish doctrine upon experiences. We can only establish doctrine on the sound Word of God and not upon any kind of super, supernatural phenomena. A while back, we had this plague of demon, demon, who's got the demons? And the groups were gathering together all over the United States to deliver one another from the burps or the lethargies or gluttonous demons. It's tragic. But sad. People guiding each other by experiences and not by the Word of God. But I read some of the books And this one pastor who was heavy into this deliverance ministry was teaching the doctrine of demonology. And in the book, in the doctrine of demonology that he was teaching, he was teaching that we have the power to bind the demons and cast them into hell, into the pit. And that we should always bind the demons and cast them into the pit. Now, how did he know we had that power? Because when he was exercising a demon, the demon told him, don't cast me into the pit. And he said, oh, do I have that power? And the demon said, yes. You have that power to cast me in the pit. Please don't do it. So you have a doctrine that is based upon the word of a demon. Now, if Satan is a liar and the father of all lies, surely the demons are liars too. How can you base a doctrine upon what is said by a demon whose basic character is that of lying? But you see how easily you can be swayed to look to something else for the truth? What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? It's like a hammer, That breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and to tell them, and cause my people to err by the lies and by their lightness, and yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. And when this people, or the prophet, or the priest shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt say unto them, What burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say, the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man in his house. Thus shall ye say every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother, what hath the Lord answered and what hath the Lord spoken? And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more, for every man's word shall be his burden. For ye have perverted the words of the living God of the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee, and what hath the Lord spoken? Rather than saying, What's the burden of the Lord, brother? Brother. Just say, what's the Lord answered you? Or what has the Lord spoken? Because this thing of the burden of the Lord, they were all the false prophets were using that. But since you say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because you say this word, the burden of the Lord, I have sent unto you saying, ye shall not say the burden of the Lord. (laughs) A lot of people going around today saying, oh, the Lord's laid such a heavy burden on me, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Wow, you know, God's laid this heavy burden on me. Are you sure? Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I think that people can lay heavy burdens on us. Many times the church lays heavy burdens on people. Many times we take heavy burdens on ourselves. But let's not blame the Lord for it. God's not going to lay such a burden on you that it's going to drive you to a nervous breakdown. God's not going to lay such a burden on you that you can't really function with your family because you're so upset and so nervous and so uptight over this pressure that is on you. But if I don't do it, you know, they're going to be calling me. and Oh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. This burden. Oh, the burden of the Lord, the burden of the Lord. No, 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 it's not the burden of the Lord. Something that man has laid on you, the church has laid on you, you've taken on yourself, but God didn't lay it on you because Jesus said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. Some people say to me, I don't know how you're going to pastor a church with that many people. I said, well, I don't either. But it's really not difficult. It's not a heavy burden. I don't go around just, you know, pressed down and, and just, you know, groaning and just, Man, I hope I can make another day, you know. I don't feel it. it, it his yoke is easy, his burden is light. There's no big pressure. there's no big deal. Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I've oftentimes told people it was much harder to pastor a little church of 25 people in Prescott than it is to pastor Calvary Chapel. I had many heavier burdens there than I have here. This is a piece of cake. So God says, forget that burden of the Lord stuff. I'm tired of hearing that. I don't want to hear it anymore. Just say, what did the Lord say? Or how's the Lord answered you? But don't, don't, don't use that burden of the Lord bit. Therefore, behold, I, even I, will utterly forget you. I'll forsake you in the city that I gave to you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence, if you use this term anymore. I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame You'll not be, uh, which shall not be forgotten. So that's one phrase I'd sure stick away from if I were you. Now in chapter 24, the Lord showed me, and behold, there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away the captives, Jokaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah were the carpenters, the smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. Now, in the first captivity, or the first uh, time that Nebuchadnezzar came, he did not destroy the city, but he did take captives, and he did did take treasure. Among those captives that were taken in the first captivity were the young princes, Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. They were all taken in this first captivity He had had taken the king, Jokaniah, to Babylon and he had set up Zedekiah as the king. But then Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar and he came the second time and in the second time is when he destroyed the temple, destroyed the city and all. So this message came to Jeremiah after this first captivity when Daniel and others were carried away, some of the skilled carpenters and all were carried away to Babylon. He saw two baskets of figs. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are the first ripe. And the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I I said, figs. (laughs) The good figs, very good And the evil, very evil You can't even eat them, they're so evil Again the word of the Lord came unto me saying Thus saith the Lord God of Israel Like these good figs So will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah Whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good They had gone away captive, but God said that was for their good. That's so that they won't see this horrible desolation that's coming. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the good figs, those that were taken away captive in that first invasion by Babylon. For I will set my eyes upon them for good. I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. And we read of the witness and the testimony that Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were in that Babylonian kingdom. And as the evil figs, which cannot be eaten because they're so rotten, surely thus saith the Lord, So will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah and his princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt and I will deliver them to be removed into all of the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence among them, until they are consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers. So the the two groups, those that went in the first captivity, Daniel and others, who were the good figs, Zedekiah, the rotten mess that he made of things, and those that were with him that were to be destroyed. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. So now we're going back. In time. This was before Zedekiah was king. This is when Jehoiakim was king. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. He was a very evil king. But he was the son of Josiah, who reigned for 31 years. Jeremiah was called to prophesy in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. So Josiah is now dead. He's been dead for four years So it happened in the fourth year of Jehoiakim The son of Josiah, the king of Judah That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon So he's giving you the time of this prophecy the which Jeremiah the prophet spake unto all of the people of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So this is just a separate prophecy of Jeremiah and it's isolated from the others. It sits here by itself, which Jeremiah the prophet spake to all the people of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the 23rd year. So God called Jeremiah to prophesy In the 13th year that Josiah was reigning, Jeremiah has now been prophesying 23 years. They figure that he was probably 17 years old when God called him to prophesy. And so he has been prophesying now for 23 years. It means that Jeremiah is about 40 years old at the time of this particular prophecy. The word of the Lord hath come unto me, and I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking you have not hearkened. I've been, you know, speaking to you for 23 years, but you haven't listened to me yet. The Lord hath sent unto you all of his servants, the prophets. They are rising early and sending them, but you have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, turn ye again now, everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given you and to your fathers forever and ever. Just live right and you can stay here. Serve God and and he'll keep you here. Do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them and to provoke me and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands and I will do you no hurt. But you've not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words... Behold, I will send and take all of the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about you, and I will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of merriment And the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, the light of the candle, and this whole land shall be desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And so here Jeremiah is predicting that the Babylonian captivity will last for seventy years. Now you read in the book of Daniel chapter 9 that Daniel said, And after the reading of the prophets, I realized that the 70 years of captivity were about over. I sought to inquire of the Lord. So Daniel, no doubt, had these prophecies of Jeremiah. He had been reading them. And he understood by the writings of Jeremiah that their period of captivity in Babylon would be 70 years. Here Jeremiah declares that in this particular prophecy, Daniel had this prophecy and, and guided his affairs by the word of God. I know that the 70 years are about up, so he sought the Lord to see if God had any special ministry for him in the repatriation.
0: Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Jeremiah 23 through 25 when visiting the WordFortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: His hand be upon your life for good. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you and fill you with His Holy Spirit that you might walk in His love, that you might be an instrument through which He works His work of love in a world that is filled with hate and suspicion. May your life be as a light shining in a dark place, bringing hope to those who sit in darkness. In Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in You. I'll always believe in You.
1: It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. and That is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.